Thank you, everyone, for joining us today. I'm Tom McMillan, the CEO of the Lead One Association, and thanks for being part of the Lead One Angle, where we discuss important issues in college sports with key players. We're very happy to have uh, a key player with us today, Scott Strickland, who's the Athletic Director at the University of Florida. Scott's been there since 2016. Prior to that, he was at his alma mater, Mississippi State, uh, I think for around six years. And before that, he uh, he was at Auburn and Baylor and Kentucky. I'm missing one other, but uh, and Mississippi State as well. So we're happy to have you, Scott. Thanks for being here. Um, you have a very unusual story. Uh, as far as I know, you're the only athletic director in the FBS, or really, I don't know of any other that contracted COVID. And tell us a little bit about that experience. Uh, it's a, thank you, Tom. I appreciate uh, being with you. That's a, that's a rather dubious distinction in this day and age. Um, but I, I, was, uh, I was diagnosed with it last month in June and, and um, went through the, uh, the quarantining process. And, and fortunately, um, back to normal, have, uh, have had no lingering effects. Uh, back to you know normal stamina and feeling great workouts and all that kind of thing that uh, that you like to do so feel very fortunate but it's you know it was a great lesson in in how uh, no matter how careful you think you're being um, this is obviously a, a highly transmissible disease and and uh, it kind of reemphasizes to me the need for everybody to to be really careful and to to do the things we're being asked to do from a social distancing and mask and hand washing standpoint. Well, the obvious question is, how do you think you caught it? That's the, and did you have to, did you go through contact tracing? Did you have to go back and say everybody I met and talked to? I mean, talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I did. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know. I have a suspicion that I have a teenage daughter that um, she had uh, had congestion and a runny nose. That was her only symptoms for several days before I started having symptoms. And once I tested positive, we got her tested and she was positive. So I'm guessing I got it from the home and you know where my teenage daughter got it, I don't know, uh, which I think is probably a lesson we can talk about here in a little bit when we start bringing yeah. college kids back to our campuses full bore. Um, but yeah, they, uh, I, I started having symptoms on a Sunday night, got tested on a Monday and got my results back on a Tuesday. We're very fortunate here at Florida to have a great health uh, program hospital. So they turned it around pretty quick. And uh, once I got my test back, I got a call from the, the county health department contact tracing team. And they wanted to know everybody I had been in contact with 48 hours from uh, prior to when I started having symptoms. Um, so I, I, I guess they're figuring that that's when you're infectious up to 48 hours prior to symptoms. Uh, kind of presenting themselves. So I, I gave them a list. Fortunately for uh, my contacts, it was I had not been around very many because it was a weekend. So um, that, that kind of limited how many people they had to quarantine. My family, basically, and, and a couple of my daughter's friends were the only ones um, that, you know, they'd been over at our house and, and we'd been around them. So that's, that's, that's the only tracing we had to do, but they, they did require that. And uh, which is, you know, to me, I took some comfort in that that they were, you know, I got the call very, uh, in a very timely manner and, and they asked what I thought was 
you know, were the right questions to try to make sure that they're limiting the spread in the community? Well, now that Ford has become a hotspot, before when you got it, it was still pretty pretty uh, low levels of uh, infections. Now you've got a, a a state that is has lots of infections. What what did that experience inform you about with your student athletes? I mean, what's your message to them? Uh, take this seriously. Yeah, well, no question, and and obviously that that's been a message, but but it. Um, you know, maybe there's a little more credibility. And, and candidly, uh, I kept it quiet for a couple weeks after I recovered. And, and I finally decided that, um, you know, there might be some credibility in sharing that, that I had tested positive. And, um, you know, I think in this day and age, with a lot of noise and a lot of uh, information that's conflicting out about COVID, it's become a bit of a political issue, as you well are well aware. Um, I, I thought that might help. Um, you know, one of the things for me, I'm I, I think I'm in pretty good shape. When I go my, get my annual physical every year, my doctor tells me I'm in good shape. Um, my, the, the symptoms were really interesting for me. And again, everybody has different symptoms. I mentioned my daughter uh, had, had hardly any. Uh, mine started congestion and runny nose and then kind of segued into um, uh, chills and fatigue and then low-grade fever and felt really crummy for about two days where you feel almost like you have the flu. And then after about 48 hours, those symptoms went away and it, and it just kind of settled into fatigue. And then what I would call um, just uh, more labored breathing. It's almost, it almost felt, you know, down here at Florida, we're like at sea level. It almost felt like I was in Colorado in the mountains when you, you yeah. visit there for the first time. And, and for the first day or so, you, every now and then you want to take a deep breath just to make sure you're getting enough oxygen. That was the sensation that I was having. Uh, for days three through five or so. And, uh, and then after about five or six days, I had no other symptoms other than um, I, I didn't feel at full strength. It took me probably a good 10 days from when symptoms well, began that I felt like I'm ready to go try to run a little bit or I'm ready to, uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of got my own fighting spirit back to me. So from, from an athlete standpoint, that, you know, kind of, if I'm experiencing it, and, and I'm obviously not a the caliber athlete that our, that our student athletes are, but you know, it's, it wouldn't be unusual for them to have the same thing. So it really helps you understand um, why the 10 days are important, why making sure your strength coaches and your training room staff uh, are really emphasizing the need for a full recovery while they're looking for any signs of, of lingering symptoms or, or lingering fatigue or anything that's going to, um, you know, be a problem down the road for an athlete because uh, it, it, this is a really unique virus and it presents itself so differently. And, and as I just said, even in my case, it presented differently almost by the day. Well, you know, I know exactly what you're talking about. When I used to play in Denver, we'd fly into Denver and have to play a game at the Maha Stadium and I could barely breathe. It was just so hard to breathe. Right. So I know, know what, what you're going through. So what do you, what do you tell your coaches? and? Here they're hanging out with 18-year-olds, 17-year-olds, 19-year-olds, 20-year-old uh, student athletes. How, what do you, how do you tell them to take precautions? Well, yeah, um, you know, you, you worry about the health and safety of, of everyone who's under, under our responsibility. So that's our athletes and our staff and coaches. But um, our coaches tend to be the one who might have more at-risk factors. And so there, there's a real need for them to be uh, ultra-cautious 
And um, it's, it's been encouraging because as we have brought, uh, allowed athletes to, to come back for voluntary workouts this summer and then as a, you know, football players have moved into more structured format, um, I, I, I'm really heartened because our coaches are taking it seriously. You know, they are doing the social distancing. We have totally changed our meeting room structure, our, our, uh, how we're gathering uh, meetings. They're meeting outdoors. We moved our entire weight room into our indoor facility, which has these huge garage doors you can open up and let outdoor air in because of the guidance from our infectious disease people here on campus who, right. who have talked about how much better outdoor, how, how much harder it is to transmit outdoor than indoor. So we tried to create an outdoor environment, even in our weight room, by moving it to a place where we could open up and, and get outside area. And so um, our staff has been really careful. Uh, again, I, I think the credibility of them, you know, when someone you know has it, I think it makes it a little more real. Yeah. And so, um, you know, the fact that, that they know someone in the department's had it probably makes them a little more cautious. So uh, you had a handful of athletes test positive a few weeks ago and without getting into the particulars, you, you quarantine them and continue down the path. Uh, do you think that, that that's, you were able to keep it under control with those methodologies? Yeah, in, in fact, uh, I'll share some numbers with you. We've had since April uh, a total of 33 athletes test positive uh, here in Gainesville. Um, and so some of those were, were ones once campus shut down in the spring, they stayed here in town. And we had a few that, that got sick during that time, even when we were not doing anything, but we obviously we treated them. Um, and then once we started letting athletes come back this summer in June for voluntary workouts, uh, we, we saw our numbers jump a little bit. And probably on any given day, we were averaging between three and six positives. That's not new positives a day, but, but people who are in quarantine for being positive. Anywhere from six to 12 that were exposed that had to be in quarantine at any given moment. Um, but those numbers have gone down to the point, uh, as we're talking here at the end of July, we currently have zero positive, zero athletes who are positive and wow. zero athletes in quarantine. So, um, Obviously, that's uh, keeping our fingers crossed that, that we can continue that. But I do think it, it points to um, having a strong tracing program, the ability to limit spread. Um, and then once a few guys or a few athletes start testing positive and, and people start having to be quarantined because of it, it does impact behavior because the teammates understand I got to be careful. I can't just, you know, hang out in the way we used to hang out. Yeah. Uh, prior to COVID. I need to have social distancing. I need to wear my mask. Um, I don't want to get caught up. We had, we had one student athlete who has never tested positive, has never shown symptoms, but spent four weeks in quarantine because of exposures to two different individuals, two weeks each time. So that, I think that was a great lesson for our athletes, just to understand they can, they can not only protect themselves from getting sick, but they can protect themselves from being put on, the, you know, in their apartment or their dorm for two weeks unnecessarily if they're just smart about following the rules of social distancing and wearing a mask. Well, I think what's interesting is that I, I, I get a sense of optimism from you. And, I, I, you know, I've, saw, I've spoken to a lot of our ADs and they're not all as optimistic, but so you, uh, you see a path forward here. Well, yeah, I, th I think we still have a lot of challenges, Tom. Yeah. That, uh, no question. As we as we watch our friends in, in professional sports, we're we're seeing on a day to day basis that they are, um, they're they've got a lot of really good plans in place, but they're still having a few challenges. And so, um, 
we, we, have a, we have some wonderful doctors who are specialized in, in this area here at UF Health, which is a phenomenal hospital, as I mentioned. And, and one of them made the comment that, uh, you know, we're, we probably as a society don't need to, to go into permanent lockdown over this, but we're kind of like that, that boat with a storm coming. We're not gonna harbor for, for the however many months this is coming. We can't outrun it. We, we just need to take precaution, batten down the hatches and, and, and just try to sail through it, but be as safe as possible while doing so. Can we compete and have games while we're doing all of that and making sure that we're managing the fact that COVID is with us for the time being? That, that's the key question. I, I know that I think as uh, professionals in college athletics administration, um, obviously the number one priority is we need to do everything we can to keep our, our athletes and our coaches as safe as we can. Um, but the second thing is we, we need to try to provide a competitive opportunity for those athletes if we can satisfy the first option, which is keep things as safe as possible. So um, I'm hopeful that, that sometime here in, in the weeks and months ahead, we'll be able to do that. None of us know what, what that's going to look like or, or when it's going to occur. But the minute we feel like we can safely provide a competitive uh, environment for our athletes. I feel like we should do that. I feel, I feel like we owe it to them. Without getting into particulars, were any of the athletes seriously ill or were they mo were mostly asymptomatic? Yeah, uh, for the most part. They... Yeah, for the most part, mild and asymptomatic. We had a couple that, that uh, probably uh, rose to moderate uh, symptoms. Fortunately, we haven't had any athlete hospitalized. Um, they were all, you know, being able to be treated through uh, over-the-counter type medications. Um, so it's, it's, um, you hate to say this because there's some people who get really sick from this, but from the standpoint of our athletes, I sensed it was more of an inconvenience yeah. than, than it was something that they really feared for. Now I know everybody has different stories and, and obviously we all know somebody who's gotten really sick from this. So I'm not diminishing that at right. all, but, uh, I just think our young people have a, they tend to have a different perspective. And as you know, uh, athletes in general tend to think they're they're a little bulletproof, and and so we we're trying to we're trying to make sure we send the right messages, understanding that audience. Well, if I were in college and I had a chance to play, and I felt it was low risk, I would probably want to play. I just I think a lot of young people are going through this. This is a a moment in time in their careers, and yet they have to be very careful about it. And when you look back at the pandemic in 1918 that directly impacted young people. That hit young people harder than any. They, they still ended up having sports play. It was, they had shortened schedules and some schools didn't play, but they were able to put it together. But this is a, this is a challenge. Tell me what the timetable on the SEC decision-making will be, you think? Um, you know, we're, we're probably getting close to have to uh, make a decision based on what happens relative to early September, where, where we've pushed back our, our volleyball and, and soccer, and uh, obviously that's where football is scheduled to begin. Um, so I would expect in, in, the, in the days ahead, um, you know, certainly in the next week or so, we would have a decision there. Um, but this is, uh, you know, we're having to make decisions with incomplete data, yeah. and, and that's, that's always a challenge. And um, you know, I, I don't think we're going to be able to wait till we have the full picture, unfortunately. So we're going to have to get really good at, at, at making uh, as good an educated decision as we can based on the facts that, that we have. And, and again, I, I, I know that whatever decision gets made, the safety of our athletes and our staff and, and our fans are going to be the, the you know, paramount. 
Well, you, this is a very unique situation. You contracted it. You have an excellent medical system in Florida. You're in the middle of a hot zone. Well, what would be your message to, to all of our, your fellow ADs about, you know, what, what is your school doing that you think is unique, different? You talk about the outside weight room. What are some of those other things that you believe put you on the vanguard of dealing with this? Well, I, I, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like we have uh, yeah. a magic answer because I, I do think there's a, I think it's really important we take every step, every precaution we can. There, you know, we, we have probably had uh, hand washing, mask wearing, social distancing drilled, it, thrown at us enough times that people are tired of hearing it. But there's, there's something um, really successful about following those protocols when you have a situation like this. So. Um, making sure that, that uh, uh, I use the term run out every ground ball, making sure that we're doing every little thing we possibly can do the right way from that standpoint to create as safe as environment and making sure that our athletes and our coaches understand how important that is, I think is, is number one. Um, second thing is what I said earlier, I, I do think it's really important that we try to stay as positive as possible. There's not a lot of positive news right now, as you know, Tom, but yeah. to try to stay as positive as we can, because there is going to be a day when our kids are competing again. And, um, and then there's gonna be a day where we have fans coming to support them. They may not line up at the same time. We hope they do, they may not. But the point is, we're gonna get behind this. We're, this. we're gonna get this behind us at some point. And we need to make sure that we're taking care of college athletics, we're making decisions that are best for the long-term best interest of our athletes, our staff, and, and, uh, and, and this industry that we love so much. And, um, and, and so I just, I don't have any special secret mm -hmm. sauce here, but I do think looking for every opportunity we can to, to make sure we're protecting our athletes, but at the same time looking for opportunities to allow them to pursue what they love. It's really important. Well, your story is a unique one, and I, I really, uh, thanks for uh, coming on and just sharing it with uh, everyone. This is a, a challenging time, uh, and uh, it just, uh, when you hear your story, you know, the, it does give you a sense of optimism that we will get this behind us and hopefully uh, that'll be sooner rather than later but good luck how's your uh, are your players on campus working out and uh, your basketball team still here and getting ready yeah, and our basketball team has just reported actually they came in a little bit later than most uh, our football team is is here and and going through uh, right now we're in the 20 hour period where they can you know work out for eight yep. hours a week and do some walkthroughs and some in some meetings uh, our coaches are still doing a lot of those meetings virtually as I mentioned earlier just you know to be ultra cautious and and not uh, uh, try to limit whatever spread might occur if somebody were to, to be infectious but um, they seem really positive our athletes do and um, I'm sure there are some that have concerns I, they've not come to me and we ask we're around them a lot but I'm not naive enough to think that that uh, there, you know, there's not some that they're apprehensive, but by and large, um, they they seem really positive about it, and they're willing to do the things we're asking them to do to keep one another safe, which which uh, obviously is the most important thing. Do you, do you think there'll be some permanent lessons from this, or you know, will people travel as much? Do you realize that Zoom calls can work? Uh, there, there's a lot. There's a lot of. Uh, they could come out of this on the positive side too. You know, people will start to do transact business, lower costs, less stress on their families. You know? Right. And I think, I think we've introduced a, another way to do some things. I don't know that this is going to become exclusive, what we're doing right. here. Right. 
right. uh, because there is something special about being face to face. You know, it's obvious during this time, people miss human interaction and being around one another. And I miss shaking hands, right? You know, that's a simple thing, but that, that's a connection you make with somebody that, uh, you know, that we've had taken away from us here during this time. Um, you know, uh, one, of our, one of our vice presidents on campus on the academic side made a comment. We were talking, this question came up several months ago and the idea would, would this change higher education permanently? And, and he made a comment that as long as God is making 19 year olds, there's gonna be a need for a residential campus. No question. And, and kids want that experience. They, they wanna be around one another. So, you know, right now our challenge is to let them do that in as safe a way as possible. But I do think a lot of things that uh, are really important in college athletics, uh, letting kids compete together, letting them form a, a team, letting them be a part of a team, uh, and then having people who love the university come and support them in a stadium or arena environment. I think those are gonna return. And, and I think we're probably gonna have a new appreciation for it when it does return because we're, we're missing that right now. Well, again, Scott, thanks for your leadership. Uh, Florida is leading the way in so many ways. Uh, obviously, in the name, image, and likeness legislation, everybody's watching uh, the federal government to see whether they'll end up preempting your state. So you are in the middle of a lot of interesting challenges, and uh, I wish you the very best, and, and thanks for being part of this today. Thank you, Tom. All the Thank best you. to you, my friend. <laughs>